0: Baby you got what I need And nothing else to do Cause nothing gets me home ever drunk I don't know the way you do So if you think it I'm a big I guess it's kinda true
1: But they can keep their drink Their smoke their pills and their cocaine
2: Too Good morning sweet beautiful Texas JB and the Moonshine Band to get things going for us on the Cabela's Lone Star Outdoors Show, powered by Hoff Power Polaris. I'm Cable Smith, just thrilled to be here talking hunting, fishing, and all that implies with you fine folks today, and uh, we've got a great show lined up for you, so go ahead, pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that old beat-up thermos, you know, the one that still has mud on it from last waterfowl season, (laughs) at least I'm sure mine does, Uh, but Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire here because uh, we've got a lot to get into today. Off the top, we'll talk some elk hunting with uh, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Texas State co-chair, Mark Biggs. Uh, RMEF is a, is a great organization. They do a lot for elk conservation. Uh, so if you've ever hunted elk in the past or have any desire to do so in the future, uh, definitely an organization that uh, you'll want to hear about. Uh, then... We'll be joined in studio by Robert Taylor, uh, the Grayson County bow hunter who shattered the Texas state-record non-typical archery whitetail buck this past season. Uh, his deer measured 254 inches and four-eighths. It had 52 points. Uh, this thing is an absolute behemoth, uh, and it, it was one of two amazing bucks that actually was shot in Texas this year. Uh, but as it stands, Roberts is the state record. And we'll get all the details about the hunt itself, um, how long he and his son watched this deer grow up. We'll get into all that good stuff and a whole lot more with Robert Taylor coming up here in just a little bit. And uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour, we'll check in with our old friend Robert Perez. He's our Texas Parks and Wildlife Upland Game Bird Program Leader. And uh, he'll be here to give us our Bob White Quail preview For the upcoming season, we did get a lot of rain this spring uh, in some areas that really needed it. Uh, How will that affect quail production? Robert will break it all down for us coming up here in just a bit. A couple other things to mention off the old news desk. Uh, Don't forget our photo of the month contest for July is winding down. Uh, This is your last chance this weekend to send in your July entry. Uh, for a chance at a Temple Fork Outfitters Saltwater Series fly rod, a pretty cool prize. These things retail for like 175 bucks. So if you're passionate about trout and redfish, uh, this would be a great rod for you. Just email me your best outdoor photo to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com, and then our uh, 12 monthly winners from this year will compete in our 2013 Photo of the Year contest. Grand prize this year, once again, is a trophy exotic buck slash spring turkey hunt with me down at Coons Canyon Ranch. A great place down there in Rock Springs. Really excited to have them back on board uh, as our Photo of the Year sponsor. One other thing to mention, uh, we've got an elite archery cap and a $25 Cabela's gift card that we're going to give away this morning to the third person to text in the age of Robert Taylor's state record archery buck. Um, I don't care if you find it on the internet or if you just wait for Robert to tell us how old his deer was this morning, uh, but when he does, text in the age to 214 289 7807. That's 214 289 7807. I want to know how old Robert's buck was, and uh, I'll send you this $25 Cabela's gift card and the Elite Archery Cap as well. Uh, Let's knock out a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll talk elk with RMEF's Mark Biggs. You're listening to the Cabello's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Ben Lofton Fencing is Texas' premier fencing company. They apply a design it right, build it right the first time mindset to all projects. And with 15 plus years experience, there's no job they won't tackle. Ben Lofton Fencing specializes in deer and exotic game fences, breeder and handling facilities, water gaps as well as farm and ranch fences and corrals and working pens better business bureau certified they offer the quality and personal service you expect so for your next fencing project go texan and call mr lofton himself at 254-709-1320 or visit benloftonfencing.com. do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease we have the solution the system hog trap
3: Hey everybody, this is Brian Spagnola from TexasMotorCars.com. I'm here today to tell you about the best place in Texas to shop for your next vehicle. TexasMotorCars.com is a family owned and operated business located in Addison, Texas. We have a huge inventory of pre owned vehicles and specialize in trucks and SUVs. Please visit TexasMotorCars.com today. Come see me, Brian Spagnola. Our phone number is 972-481-1660. <laughs>
1: The new Bobcat Utility Vehicle is here at Bobcat of Dallas and Fort Worth, and it's hungry. Get ready to work like an animal and love it. Powerful, ultra-comfortable, and sure-footed, this lineup of vehicles delivers legendary Bobcat performance, so you can sink your teeth into a wide range of jobs. With twice the horsepower, 1,850 pounds of payload capacity, and four-wheel independent suspension, you will love it. Stop in at Bobcat of Dallas and Fort Worth to see for yourself.
4: All right. This is Phil Robertson, better known as the Duck Commander. This is the Lone Star Outdoor
5: Show.
2: 10-pound test, great stuff there from Rodney Parker and 50 peso reward bringing us back on the Cabela's Lone Star Outdoor Show powered by Hawk Power Polaris. I'm your host, Cable Smith. Thank you so much for tuning in today as we're about to mix in some elk hunting and conservation talk here. But first, this segment is proudly brought to you by Lone Star Light, the national beer of Texas and the first thing I grab after a successful day spent on the water So grab an ice cold Lone Star Light to celebrate tight lines and full stringers this summer. Lone Star Light, the official beer of the Cabela's Lone Star Outdoors show. Well, all you big game hunters out there who've uh, spent any time, especially in the western part of the United States, uh, you're probably already aware that hearing a big bull elk bugling from on top of a ridge is one of the most majestic things you'll ever hear in the great outdoors. And There's a conservation organization out there whose main initiative is protecting and conserving uh, these amazing big game animals. And of course, I'm talking about the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. And so let's go ahead and welcome our first guest. He is the North Texas Chapter Chair and uh, a Texas State Co-Chair of the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Mark Biggs, thanks for dropping by the studio. You bet. I'm happy to be here. Well, we are thrilled to have you. Uh, I guess, first of all, let's talk a little bit about the history uh, of the RMEF.
6: Well, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation was uh, started in May of 1984 by just four hunters, friends, that got together at a little cafe and started talking about the loss of habitat and what was going on. Um, We still have two of those founders with us today. It's um, Bob Munson and Charlie Decker. And they are real involved with the foundation. Um, The foundation has grown dramatically, way beyond their dreams and aspirations in the beginning. We have almost 200,000 members nationwide now. Mm -hmm. And we have about 550 chapters around the country that get together, and that's one of the primary ways that we raise funds is through our fundraising banquets. Right, okay. Um, We'll get into the banquets here in a second, but uh, talk a little bit about the, the mission statement the actual mission statement is ensuring the future of elk, other wildlife, their habitat, and our hunting heritage. Uh, it's something that we're passionate about. We also uh, spend our money on our mission. We, about 92% of our money hits the ground. The primary thing that we do is we protect and enhance habitat. Uh, we've protected it or enhanced uh, over 6 million acres in the 28 years that we've been working. And that works out to a little bit more than a square mile uh every day we do that through a major through a variety of ways we go in and we get what's called a conservation easement on some of the property we actually purchase some pieces of property and then turn it back over to the states for management uh, but there's all kinds of ways that we help protect that habitat awesome and yeah and much like uh, ducks
2: unlimited or, or delta waterfowl or the national wild turkey federation and there's others uh, but banquets are the key uh, really to the fundraising effort. And I know that you guys have some exciting stuff, not only coming up here in the North Texas area, but also on
6: a, uh, a statewide level. Yeah, our event's a real family-friendly event uh, here in North Texas. Um, we have uh, usually, on average, about 350 people that show up. We have... I, don't, I haven't ever done the total, but we have somewhere around two to $300,000 worth of merchandise that we auction off, raffle off, give away in games, do all kinds of stuff. We have, And we have something for everybody, we hope. Right. Well, uh, let's talk about Texas as far as elk goes. You know, we don't really
2: have a huntable population of elk in the Lone Star State. Uh, there is a herd that uh, kind of meanders in from New Mexico out there in the West Texas regions close to El Paso. Uh, But they're considered exotic. Texas Parks and Wildlife doesn't even have a season for them. You can hunt them whenever uh, if you have access to that land. So what would you say to those folks who uh, would be apprehensive about getting involved with an organization uh, that sole purpose is to conserve an animal that they can't even hunt in Texas?
6: Well, there's a lot of us here in Texas that do hunt, uh, albeit in other states. There's Mm -hmm. some hunting on private land here in Texas, but um, there's over 6,400 members here in Texas in our banquets that we have. We have banquets all around Texas uh, throughout the year, but a lot of us travel there. We want to make sure we protect the habitat. We want to make sure our kids and grandkids have a place to hunt and to be able to enjoy the outdoors and the nature that 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 opportunity provides. Right. Uh, where's your favorite place that you've ever elk hunted? I, I actually put in for, uh, New Mexico this year. I didn't get drawn, but, uh, uh, what about you? Uh, most, uh, well, almost all my outcomes have been done in Colorado. It's the state that has the largest herds and stuff and your best opportunities for success. Mm -hmm. They also have a lot of public land. I've hunted on both public land and private land. Uh, if, if you can afford to go on public or or a private land, I'm sorry, it's your, your odds are a little bit higher. Right. So it it gives you a lot better opportunity. It's kind of like a lease here in Texas. Yeah.
2: What are your thoughts on,
6: I mean, obviously Colorado has been in the news a lot lately and they've. They've actually
2: turned off a lot of hunters with the recent anti-gun legislation. Is that something that, and this is just on a personal level, having nothing to do with RMEF, is that something that is going to turn you off from going back to Colorado?
6: It's probably not going to affect me one way or the other, Uh what I do with them. Okay. Um, Let's talk about the chapters here in Texas. Uh, How many chapters did you say we have? We have uh, a total of about 20 chapters. There's a couple that have been inactive for a year or two. Uh, some of those are getting started back up. We're always looking for guys to help uh, in whatever city you're in. Uh, we try to have chapters, like I said, throughout the state. So if you have any interest in helping with a local chapter, you can get in touch with me or someone else here in the state to, to get you lined up with people in your city. Uh huh. And then I know that uh, there are a couple upcoming events here in the next couple weeks um, as far as uh, some great banquets that are going to be going on? We do. We have a banquet that's going to be in a little town called Dime Box, Texas. Uh, that event is on August 3rd. Our banquet here in North Texas, which will be at uh, the Embassy Suites at Bass Pro and Grapevine, is on August 10th. Uh, and then there's another banquet in Beaumont on August 29th.
2: All right. So there's a couple things coming up. Uh, if You know, you happen to be, in those areas be sure to stop by check out the event uh, and then if you want to get plugged in with your local chapter you can find out uh, where to go exactly by just visiting the uh, rmef website and uh, it'll point you in the right direction you There's can do right
6: that there. the rmef website is real simple it's just rmef.org well i will say this um
2: if you haven't been elk hunting before or there's nothing like hearing a bugling elk in the mountains of, you know, what my experiences have been in New Mexico, yours in Colorado, but, you know, all of the Western states, most of them have, uh, you know, viable elk populations with some, some great animals and they are, they're truly one of the, probably the most majestic big game animal we have here in North America
6: we think so here in North America it's it's the, the largest except for the moose and it's one of the most majestic uh-huh. we've also put it as well as Western states the RMF has been instrumental in reintroducing elk into some of the eastern states where they used to be uh, we've put them back in seven states and we're hoping to hit a couple more states soon Kentucky is a huge success yeah, story I was say. I've heard a lot about Kentucky elk yeah some big ones coming out of there they're they're Nice, trophy-sized elk. They've been huntable for years. There's, the herd is over 10,000 now. That started from just eight uh, in the beginning and then several more plants over the years. But And they've actually spread naturally uh, into West Virginia and Virginia a little bit, but we've also introduced them into Virginia just mm-hmm. recently. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and it's like any other conservation-minded organization, whether that's Ducks Unlimited, Delta Waterfowl, uh, the National Wild Turkey Federation. When you better habitat for one animal, uh, there are multiple other species that are going to benefit as well. One, one of my favorite animals to hunt is mule deer and mule deer inhabit the same regions that elk do. And so it's great that, you know, Merriam's turkey, mule deer, uh, a lot of times a black bear are, you know, in these same regions and, and you're improving the habitat
6: for all of those animals. Right. We just want to make sure, which is what it says in our our mission statement, that we're protecting the habitat for all wildlife. One of the other things, too, that we we have a new tagline that we use, which is called hunting is conservation, because no one's done more for the North American uh, wildlife model than, than the hunters. Through our license fees and ammo sales and gun sales and stuff, we've contributed more towards conservation than any group.
2: It's kind of ironic when you think about PETA or the Humane Society and how they claim to be these big conservationists and they don't give a wooden nickel back to the actual animals they say they love so much. Right. But, hey, I did have one other question for you, um, and that is Texas Parks and Wildlife stance on elk being exotics. I mean, obviously elk lived in Texas um, for hundreds of years. Um, Obviously their populations were diminished to the point where pretty much were gone and they've got, you know, like we were talking about earlier, there are some now uh, in, in West Texas. Do you think that uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife should reevaluate that and maybe make them a, a big game species here in Texas?
6: Well, my personal opinion aside, I, the, the foundation won't take a stance. They, we only uh, care about what the states do. And we want the states to manage them. Uh-huh. Um, there is a study going on that's being privately funded by some of the guys from the Elk Foundation to do some studies to see if the elk that are in West Texas actually came from New Mexico or if they were exotics that were imported on some of the big private ranches. But the Uh, elk herd is up to about over, different estimates have it between 1,500 and 2,500 elk here in Texas. Very cool. Very cool. Well, hey, Mark, it's been uh, great
2: to visit with you today. And I encourage anyone out there who's passionate, just maybe not about elk, but, you know, if you want to get involved, get plugged in with a group of pro hunters that are really enthusiastic uh, about the great outdoors and conservation and our hunting heritage here Um, then check out one of the Texas chapters. Go to the RMEF website. I guarantee you it'll be
6: something you're proud to be a part of. It is. The more I find out, the happier I am to be part of the organization. I really appreciate this opportunity, Cable, a lot. It's been a pleasure.
2: There he goes, Mark Biggs of the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Let's knock out a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll get into one of the craziest whitetail sagas that you've ever heard of, how the Texas state record non-typical archery buck fell twice in the same season and we've got the current state record holder Robert Taylor coming up to tell us all about his 254 inch non-typical white tail only on Cabela's Lone Star Outdoors show.
6: Still I spend my time and all my cash on me in a jukebox and the press that I'm at
3: last to see another day. Hey everybody, this is Brian Spagnola from TexasMotorCars.com. I'm here today to tell you about the best place in Texas to shop for your next vehicle. TexasMotorCars.com is a family-owned and operated business located in Addison, Texas. We have a huge inventory of pre-owned vehicles and specialize in trucks and SUVs. Please visit TexasMotorCars.com today. Come see me, Brian Spagnola. Our phone number is nine seven two four eight one sixteen
4: sixty.
2: We all need a friend in the gun business, and that's why you should check out BNS Guns. Family owned and operated since 1987, we offer a lifetime warranty on all firearm purchases. At BNS, we have a gunsmith on staff at all times, and our 5,000 square foot building contains all your hunting and firearm needs. Open seven days a week, we specialize in Nikon, Leopold, Browning, Remington, Swarovski, Benelli, Zeiss, and many more. Conveniently located in Garland, call 972-226-1816 or visit BSGunStore.com. That's BSGunStore.com. All right, listen up, all you Texas outdoorsmen and women. SDS Outdoors is a top-tier manufacturer and distributor of high-quality, feature-rich luxury outdoor products. Their product lines include luxury deer blinds, deer blind windows, gun range towers, bow fishing boats, and a whole lot more. Call SDS Outdoors at 214-551-1530 or check them out online at www.sdsoutdoors.com. Chevy Silverado has been recognized by Vincentric for lowest total cost of ownership of any full-size pickup. Based on factors like depreciation, fuel, and maintenance, visit your local Chevy dealer to find out why the Silverado is a smart choice. Based on Vincentric U.S. 2012 Model Level Analysis. Frisco Gun Club is a -a one-of-a-kind facility, offering a luxury gun range, club, and retail pro shop. Selling firearms, ammo, accessories, and apparel. With 36 handgun lanes and full rifle lanes, it's the largest indoor range in the country. Gunsmiths are on-site, and CHL and safety training classes are available. Frisco Gun Club is open to the public, and has a variety of annual memberships, from entry-level to private VIP club, complete with full bar, cigar room, and upscale dining. Call 855-FRISCO-CLUB, that's 855-FRISCO-CLUB, or visit friscogun.com. Opening summer 23rd. 13.
5: Need to buy a trailer? Well, Big Tex Trailers is DFW's number one source for trailers. In addition to utility trailers, we have the largest selection of cargos anywhere. CM Cargos, Wells Cargos, Hallmark, Cargo Craft, and Pace. You want it? We got it. Come and get it. Call 972-501-0200 or go to BigTexDFW.com. That's Big Tex Trailers, tough as a Texas Longhorn.
1: I've been packing my gear now, open days near. I'm saving up chain for poker all year. I've sighted my gun and got plenty of ammo. I'm going in the woods and full camel. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah,
2: I'm ready. One of my favorite like deer hunting tunes there from the, 40, the Kyle Hunt Band, bringing us 30, back on the Cabela's Lone Star Outdoors Show. Powered by Hoff Power Polaris, I'm Cable Smith, thrilled to be here with you on this fine Texas morning. Uh, We're about to talk some deer hunting, but first, this segment is proudly brought to you by Rudy's True Texas Style Barbecue and Elite Archery, the official bow manufacturer of our show. Check out the all-new 2013 Hunter. You won't find a smoother or quieter bow. Take it from me, that's what I shoot. Check them out at EliteArchery.com. Uh, Well, speaking of archery, we've got a very special guest in studio with us this morning uh, who back on December 29th of this past whitetail season arrowed the highest scoring, non-typical whitetail ever shot in the Lone Star State. It's my pleasure to welcome Robert Taylor to the show.
0: It's good to be here.
2: Man, we got a lot to get into. I mean, the 2012 Texas whitetail season was uh, one for the ages, my friend. It, uh, absolutely crazy things happened and the texas state record archery whitetail record buck uh which you actually uh smashed well it was smashed two times by two separate deer uh, that's exactly what happened this year i mean we're talking over 20 inches each one of these deer shattered yes. the previous uh, texas record uh, the aj downs buck in san jacinto county that was shot opening day of archery season um and then you know fast forward a couple months um well actually we'll wait a second we'll get into your deer here in a minute uh, but i know you're you obviously are aware uh, of aj's buck you guys have actually even talked on the phone yes uh we had him on the show uh, celebrated his deer which at the time was thought to be the texas state record it scored 253 three-eighths originally um and it was also the ninth largest whitetail ever arrowed in north america according to pope and young and that is why A.J. was invited to the uh, biennium as one of the uh, top five largest whitetail shot in the last two years. Mm. He got to go to the panel scoring, and that was actually held in Dallas this past year. Uh, but A.J. goes to that, and his score actually drops uh, nine inches about. And uh, and then, bam, your deer is uh, number one. And there's a little more to it than that. But uh, his deer drops to 245 and four-eighths, and... At this point, I believe uh, your deer had been scored at uh, 254 and 4.8. eighths. Uh-huh. So uh, that's that's just a little background as, as to how this whole crazy story happened. Uh, so many things changed in, in, a, in such a short amount of time. I mean, uh, Field and Stream wrote an article that was titled uh, How the Texas State Archery Whitetail Fell Two wow. Times <laughs> in One Season. I mean, just crazy stuff. But uh, after his buck dropped... Uh, you know, your buck went through that sixty-day drying period. Yes. Uh, your score, like we said, went up. As far as your buck is concerned, um, it's a lot—a very different situation from AJ's buck. His was shot on twelve thousand acres.
0: Yeah, um, a little bit different.
2: <laughs> yours was shot on
0: four point seven acres. Yeah, big spread.
2: Yeah. So, and that's your place uh, in uh, Grayson County. Grayson County. And you actually, I think you you have a shop there. So,
0: yeah, I have some. Uh, some equipment stored there and, you know, a lot of deer feeders, a lot of grain. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And and how long have you had that property?
0: About nine years now.
2: Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and so it was originally kind of a multi-purpose deal for deer hunting and
0: yeah, shop? Yeah, it was just kind of a little secluded place back in the woods. So uh, we perched it and, you know, right away we seen that there was deer around in the neighborhood. So we put up some feeders and... We plow and plant and just kind of manage it. You know, that's, we knew if we'd ever gonna get a a trophy deer, it had to be uh, in Grayson County, you know.
2: Uh Yeah, yeah, (laughs) no no doubt about it. Had you ever put in for the Hagerman draws before?
0: Never have, you know. I never, never really even thought about Hagerman. You know, I know there's some good deer killed in Hagerman. We drive by it pretty regular, but uh, never got drawed or never even tried to get drawed for Hagerman. Uh-huh.
2: Well, uh, well, let's talk about your buck. When did you become aware that you had uh, a pretty nice buck frequenting your, your roughly five-acre place?
0: We seen it back in uh, 2010, I believe, for the first time. And, you know, he was pretty elusive. He showed up a few times in the daytime. And then uh, my son, he hunted pretty hard for that deer and, didn't didn't quite get it done uh-huh. and uh but you know it was all good that that he lived for this long we've uh been tracking this deer for about four years now uh-huh. and uh it's just really awesome that he lived you know he had thousands of acres back uh the behind us that joins the corps of, corps of engineers that you know he can just go hide forever and people just didn't have access to to get back there and really hunt hunt deer well there's no access at all actually but uh-huh. so he had a pretty good safe haven and you know it just allows him to grow up you yeah. know that's the that's a problem that with most young deer they just don't have a chance to get big you know because you know they get harvested too early
2: mm-hmm. well we do have to throw your son to the wolves here for a second cuz <laughs> I I do believe that he might have had a he a missed opportunity back in 2010.
0: Yeah, maybe a little uh, <laughs> uh, misjudgment. I don't know.
2: It happens It's buck fever.
0: Yeah, it could. You know, because uh, believe me, I shook like a leaf on a tree when when I finally got to take a poke at that one. You know, it was uh, pretty exhilarating.
2: Uh huh. So um, your son and you, y'all have been, like you said, hunting this deer for four years um grayson county is a one buck county though and your son he ended up shooting a, a pretty nice deer went in 160 somewhere in there yeah
0: double main beam nine point uh-huh uh pretty awesome deer you know it i'm glad he uh stepped out of the way though for the big <laughs> one you know <laughs> yeah you,
2: you mentioned to me off the air that you guys didn't really see this deer in october when bow season started he kind of would come around later yes and uh and then he'd be gone after you know Couple weeks in November, he'd be back into the in the yeah. woods, in the deep woods, in the core property. Yep. Um, but you guys started getting pictures of him again in December.
0: Yeah, December the 11th, he showed up, and uh, mercy, it was uh, it was all about game on then.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> well, uh huh. Well, you know what? Before we get into that day, the hunt, and then everything that followed, let's take a quick break because uh, we'll just take care of a couple sponsors here. And then when we come back, uh, we'll get into uh, all the details of that day, uh, which was, I believe, December 29th?
0: Yes, it was. Perfect.
2: We all sit tight because we'll be right back with more from Robert Taylor, the Texas State non-typical archery record holder, and we'll hear all the details concerning that fateful afternoon when a true Texas giant finally let his guard down. You're listening to Cabela's Lone Star Outdoors show.
1: already got my money so come and get my guns they're locked up in a closet where my piggy bank was get them while i got them i'll be waiting here to bleed freedom's overrated in the land of the free
5: Need to buy a trailer? Well, Big Tex Trailers is DFW's number one source for trailers. In addition to utility trailers, we have the largest selection of cargos anywhere. CM Cargos, Wells Cargos, Hallmark, Cargo Craft, and Pace. You want it? We got it. Come and get it. Call 972-501-0200 or go to BigTexDFW.com. That's Big Tex Trailers, tough as a Texas longhorn.
2: Cable Smith here for Magnolite, a Texas-based lighting company that's been outfitting the United States military since the 1960s. Over the past decade, Magnolite has continued to support our troops, but now they have over 200 lights, ideal for your hunting and fishing needs. Like the 35-watt HID Camouflage Go Light Striker with handheld remote. That's 15 million candle power in the palm of your hand, ideal for predator and hog hunting. They also have remote-controlled floodlights, feeder lights, and LED boat lights. So go Texan and go Magnolite. Check them out at www.magnolite.com for all your outdoor lighting needs. If you're in the market for a firearm, you need to know about STI International. Based out of Georgetown, Texas, they're 100% employee owned and offer the best warranty and customer service in the business. STI is renowned worldwide for exceptional fit and function. The patented 2011 high-capacity system proved so successful in shooting competitions that over 80% of competitors used STI guns or pistols built on STI frames at the USPSA National Championships. To see their full line of premier pistols, visit stiguns.com or check them out on Facebook at STI Firearms. STI, the
1: or visit our website at www.biggame.org.
2: Frisco Gun Club is a one-of-a-kind facility offering a luxury gun range, club, and retail pro shop. Selling firearms, ammo, accessories, and apparel. With 36 handgun lanes and full rifle lanes, it's the largest indoor range in the country. Gunsmiths are on-site and CHL and safety training classes are available. Frisco Gun Club is open to the public and has a variety of annual memberships from entry-level to private VIP club complete with full bar, cigar room, and upscale dining. Call 855-FRISCO-CLUB. That's 855-FRISCO-CLUB or visit friscogun.com. Opening summer 2013
0: Hey, this is Chris Knight, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I was
1: It took me away like I was the only one me on one way train.
2: One of my all time favorites there from Chris Knight, bringing us back on the Cabela's Lone Star Outdoor Show Power. By Hoff Power, Polaris, Cable Smith. thank you so much for spending a part of your weekend with me as we are talking monster whitetail bucks this morning, specifically the new Texas state record archery buck. Uh, but before we pick it back up with Grayson County hunter Robert Taylor, this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by Sendero Seed Company, Texas' premier seed company. They've got anything and everything you need to keep your whitetail herd happy and healthy so check them out at Cinderoseed.com. they've even got the dr Kroll backed buck forage oats of course you can also call them at 1-877-610-SEED and my buddy rob hughes will take care of you so give him a shout Cindero seed company well without further delay uh let's go ahead and pick it back up here with our in studio guest robert taylor uh we certainly appreciate you coming in this morning man
0: all right, it's good to be here, and uh, mercy. we uh, got a lot to talk about, I guess.
2: <laughs> yeah, we certainly do. I mean, it's not that often that uh, not one but two whitetails of this magnitude are shot in the same year. Uh, we talked about A.J.'s buck before the break, and, and right now we're talking about your Grayson County buck, which, uh, as it stands, is the Texas State record whitetail. Um We talked about your property a little bit, 4.7 acres. You guys have food plots. Uh, I think you said three feeders. Yep. Um, And obviously, bow only in Grayson County. Bow only. So, do you all hunt out of uh, ground blinds, tree stands?
0: We've got some uh, tree stands, and we've got some tripods. Uh, Got several little uh, places you can hide. Mm -hmm. That You know, several different key areas there.
2: Right, right. And so, this is obviously... uh, very rural, not a lot of not a lot of stuff going on there.
0: Well, you could say that. Yeah. But there, it's pretty pretty close to town.
2: Yeah, right on. <laughs> well, um, as far as this deer, like we mentioned, uh, you got pictures of him on December 11th, and your son had already tagged out. Yes. Uh, so it was all up to dad yep. to get out there, and, and once you got that that picture of this buck in the daylight, you pretty much hunted him hard and heavy after that.
0: Oh, it was. Uh it was every morning at four o'clock in the morning getting there and I'd hunt until all the deer left the field and then I'd get down and go to work by two o'clock I was back in the stand till mm-hmm. dark you know it every was day every day well I did I did skip a few days and I had to pay for it because the days that I took a day off he showed up of course he did <laughs> you know uh so that's the that's the game you play, you know. Uh, the The deer, they don't go on your time schedule.
2: <laughs> oh, that's for sure. And uh, and and like we said before the break, um, you guys have been watching this buck since 2010. Your son actually had an opportunity and uh, and missed him. Um, and so this buck, he he grows up. How old do you think he was uh, this year?
0: They what? aged him at seven and a half.
2: Wow. Okay. So, I mean, that's a. Uh, this is probably his peak year after that. He's probably going to start. Well,
0: I don't really know about if it's a peak year. You know, he still had all of his teeth. His his number four teeth were just barely wore down. A lot has to do with what they have to eat is what uh, I've been told. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he could have been bigger and better next year. Really?
2: Uh, I don't doubt it. I mean, we had on a guy uh, earlier this year who in South Texas shot a 14-and-a-half-year-old buck. And, uh, you know, what they say with people – Sixties the new 40. I think that seven and a half is like, you know.
0: Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, I don't think he was going downhill at all. He, We've got pictures the last four years, and he just kept on getting more massive and massive. Uh-huh. So
2: And you guys feed protein.
0: Yeah, we feed protein. Year-round? Year-round. Uh-huh,
2: okay. Well, like you said, this deer proved to be very tough to pattern. He was yeah. smart. He'd hang it around. Usually he'd come in November, and then he'd bounce, and, and you wouldn't see him again.
0: He'd be gone.
2: Uh-huh. Uh, so just during really during the peak of the rut, I guess. Yeah, he
0: would just come check the last last of the flock to see if they was all, all taken care of, I guess.
2: Uh-huh. Um, so you said you're hunting him every day. You actually had a couple close encounters with him.
0: Yes. Where yeah.
2: you – more than one. But you were telling me one time uh, he, he was 15 yards away, but you just couldn't get a shot off at him. Yeah.
0: You know, we kind of built a stand up in a big old tree and – it's got a big limb hanging out to the left and man big boy just walks right up underneath there and you know i guess he knew that well i'm pretty safe right here uh-huh. <laughs> so uh but yeah he walks right on there and uh and then just bolts right out and goes out there and you have to sit there and watch him eat mm-hmm. he just drops his head down in the green field and just eats for a little while and you just sit there and just sweat and uh <laughs> Just watching, but that's all you can do. Uh huh.
2: And and you actually could have had, you know, you had opportunities to shoot this buck at forty to fifty yards a couple times, and yeah. you decided not to.
0: Yeah, you know, I didn't want to make a bad shot. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's the whole deal about hunting is uh, is the hunt, and when you can sit there and watch a deer of that caliber, it's just pretty awesome.
2: Yeah.
0: And,
2: and there's no doubt about that. What did you think this buck? Before you got him on the ground, what did you think this buck was going to score?
0: You know, I didn't have a clue. Didn't even have a clue about what what any kind of score, any kind of state record. Not a clue at all. You know, this is, a, this is my first bow buck. Really? First. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's – you know, and I, I tell people that and their jaw just dropped down there to their knees. You know, <laughs> they – oh, my goodness. You know, it is just – you're ruined, you know. I said, "No, nah, I'm just getting started."
5: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, well, that's my first bow buck right there. You look at him in the studio. It's an 8 point South Texas deer and I'm really proud of that. But my goodness, the state record. It's far from that. Um well, the day of December 29th, uh you're hunting that afternoon. Had you, had you already hunted that morning?
0: Yes, I already hunted that morning and uh you know, and he didn't show up that morning and so I had a pretty good feeling that well, Maybe this evening will be the the day, you know.
2: Uh-huh. Uh huh. Well, talk about deer activity that day. I mean, were you seeing does, other bucks, maybe?
0: Yeah, we had a had a lot of does. Uh, I probably had seven does underneath my feeder at that moment, and mm-hmm. had a couple other bucks in the area there running around. I looked to the to the east, and uh, the my big buck he approach the fence there and you know normally I'm I start shaking you know uh he jumps over the fence not a problem you know just walks right up there and goes to the one feeder we have over there which is is pretty far away you know but he gets about a bite of corn and he sees all the other activity over right underneath me you know and uh he just bolts over there like nothing's wrong Mm -hmm. and just stops just broadside just pretty as a pitcher you know and just had about two seconds and man, it was all over but the crying then
2: <laughs> do you think that uh those other close encounters that you'd had with him helped calm your nerves on that day since you'd already seen him
0: I really think it did you know because man he was wearing me out I was <laughs> I pulled that bow back so many times and had let it off and he was really playing with me there was there was one day he came in uh, one evening. He came in from a different direction, and I seen him coming. And, man, I was shaking. And he came up there, and he stopped right there in the edge of the trees. So I thought, man, this is my opportunity. I'm going to pull back. All he got to do is take about 15 or 20 more steps, and I'm going to let him have it, you know. Well, I pulled my bow back. You know, I was hidden, and he walks up there, and he stops. And he turns around, he walks back down the fence. I thought, oh man, he's gonna go a different direction. So I let off. I let my bow down. You know, I couldn't hold it much longer. I'd already held it for about seemed like eternity. You right. know, so I let my bow off, and he uh, he turns right back around, and he comes right towards me. And at that time, I couldn't couldn't pick my bow back up. I was already. I was in wide open area, you know, it's pretty, my stand ain't concealed, you know. Mm -hmm. So if I'd have moved, I'd have got busted. He just bolts through there like a rocket. I mean, just runs, runs through the fence there and and goes over to the other feeder. Uh By that time, you know, I'd kind of got calmed down again and, but he never did come give me a chance that day. He just, he went over to the other feeder and then he went out to the green field and it might have been that day that he stayed around a long time and just made me suffer a little bit. He just made me watch <laughs> him and they stayed out in the greenfield quite a while, uh, till way after dark one night, you know, I had my, my field glasses and I could uh glass out there and make sure there wasn't no deer on the field before I'd get down out of my stand. Mm-hmm. Just just some precautions, you know, I was pressuring it up pretty bad. So I'd make sure all the deer had left the field and down in the woods and gone before i even crawled down out of the stand but he kept me out there pretty late one night you know it's probably you know seven o'clock before i got down and and got out of there you know because i was already pressured up the field pretty much and Uh so he made me suffer there a few times right (laughs) right but
2: well uh so you were seeing deer that afternoon um what what was the temperature like on december 29th
0: it was cold uh, I just looking
2: at the picture. I mean, you you've it got a, was some heavy cold. Clothing, I
0: right? mean, it was brutal. Uh some mornings it was like 26 degrees mm-hmm. and uh it was it was really really cold, you know. Mm-hmm. So
2: mm-hmm. Well, so you shoot him at 15 yards. Um what happens then? I mean, how far does the deer run? How long do you wait? I mean, do you see him expire?
0: No, I didn't get to see him. He run around some trees where I couldn't see but he actually made it probably a hundred yards Uh uh-huh. and
2: did you know that you'd smoked him i mean did you
0: yeah i had a pretty good pretty good feeling
5: uh-huh
0: you know i he was broadside you know the perfect perfect shot uh-huh. you know and once i got down out of the tree and retrieved my arrow you know it was it was stuck in the ground there was blood from one end to the other you know i mean it was just solid blood red and uh oh thank you <laughs> so was,
2: so then you you trail him hundred yards you you see this buck I'm, who's the first person you mean call your son first
0: well yeah actually I called my wife first and, uh-huh. and you know and then she's probably
2: uh, praise the Lord this is, finally get my husband uh, yeah going, you know because uh you're out there every day
0: whenever I went hunting on Christmas Day you know I had all my kids and family there you know said, really, you're going hunting? I said, yes. <laughs> I'll be back later. Uh, so I got in kind of kind of tense moments with my wife a few times there, but she understands.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I go duck hunting every uh, Thanksgiving morning. <laughs> and I, I never hear the end of that either. So, mm. But, um, well, so you lay your hands on this buck. And it, when do you realize, I mean, exactly what you have? I mean, I, you told me earlier you didn't realize that it was oh, maybe no, a state it, record.
0: No, it's just – it blows my mind now, you know, that we uh, actually got to put a tape on it and you know, it's an awesome feeling, uh-huh. you know, they say it's a once in a lifetime deal, but Oh,
2: it is. <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm hoping not, you know, I've, I've got some more genetics running around. Yeah, I've got a little slick 10 point up there running around, but he's just way too little. He's probably about 160 inches by now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Jeez. That's, uh, that's
2: it right there. Well, um, so as far as the scoring went, uh, you start calling around, and and I think the first person you you took took the deer to was like, oh geez, I got to make some some phone yeah. calls. And some, at this point is when um, you guys actually, well, actually you got the official score or uh, the green score. Yeah. And then uh, I think originally it was two forty nine and some change. Yeah. Uh, which you're thinking, great, I got a state record. Yeah, and, it was awesome. And then you hear about AJ's buck, yeah. which at the time was. Scored at 253 and yeah. three-eighths. Uh, I mean, that had to be heartbreaking. Did you think you well, just smashed the state record by 20 inches? It yeah, kinda, go me. It you know. kind of sucked
0: the wind out of my cell a little bit. But, you know, it was all fine. Uh, me and A.J. both, we killed two great deer.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, man, you can't say enough about A.J. I, I talked with him on the phone. And just a wonderful guy, you know. He is. And down to earth. And so we had some good laughs. and. But, yeah, I finally got to meet him the other day and uh, we went to San Antonio and I uh, got to shake his hand for the first time. So, yeah. you know, it was, it was all good, you know.
2: Um, well, so your official score, like we said, 254-4.8. Uh, yeah. And it will stay that way unless you get invited to the next Pope and Young Biennium in 2015, which, like we said, the top five whitetails shot in North America are invited uh, right now your buck is ninth all time in North America, yep. and I mean, barring some kind of uh, miracle, where four more deer that are bigger get shot in the next two years. Yeah,
0: you know, we still got to deal with Grayson County. You know, there is some monsters still running around up
2: there. Oh yeah, there's no <laughs> doubt. There's no doubt about that. Um, but so you're gonna you're gonna end up at that uh, biennium, and that is where your uh, buck will be panel scored. Yeah, and it might actually uh, your score could potentially go up.
0: Yeah, you know, it We got 52 it, points here. It works both ways. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. And uh the the people that you originally had scored kind of went on the conservative end.
0: Yeah, they was real conservative at the first, you know, they didn't want to they didn't want to stretch their boundaries, you know. So they was really conservative and and I'm kind of glad they was. But I guess it'd been nice to be big at the first, but then it wouldn't be near as interesting, you know, being up and down and, you know, all Makes this for controversy. A story, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's always better when you got some controversy in there. Uh
2: huh. Well, I think um, Texas Big Game Awards is still recognizing AJ's buck, but is that because they haven't um, taken your? They still have your buck listed at two forty nine. Is that correct? Well, they
0: actually accepted my dry score. Uh
5: huh.
0: And what they done? They took AJ's deer out to Reno and panel scored it for the BC. Uh huh. And their panel come up with uh, 256 and uh, some change. They use the same scoring system as as Pope and Young. They they both have the both the same scoring system, but they just see 11 inches difference. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how they arrive at 11 inches difference, and it doesn't really matter. Right. But It looks like they could be on the same page, you know. I don't know, because these are supposed to be the top official score guys, Pope and Young, Boone and Crockett.
2: Right, right.
0: You'd think that 11 inches difference that they would, you know.
2: Well, it doesn't make a lot of sense for A.J.'s buck to be scored by Pope and Young at 253, three-eighths, and then he goes to the panel score and it drops down to 244. I mean – yeah, I mean, you've you've got taken for a ride, but I mean AJ got taken for a ride too. I mean yeah, he's thinking he's got a state record, and then all of a sudden he does, you know, he doesn't.
0: Yeah, it's it's really sad, you know, because they're both two wonderful deer.
2: But they both can be number one,
0: and they both well, that's right, that's true, you know. But I would like to have had my deer and AJ's side by side with the same panel, mm-hmm. and to me, I thought that'd be pretty awesome, but yeah, it didn't work out.
2: No, well, hey. <laughs> I can't tell you congratulations enough, man. I mean, this deer is absolutely amazing. Uh, just, just goes to show you what, what we have, you know, growing in our backyard here in Texas. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, you know, I chase deer all over Texas, you know, looking for the big one. And he's right here in my backyard.
2: Uh huh. Well, hey, congratulations again, Robert. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real treat to have you in studio with us. It's good being here. The pleasure was all mine. Thanks again, Robert. Uh, man, what an interesting story. Hell of a deer. Uh, shot by both Robert and A.J., and what a bizarre Texas whitetail season it was. I mean, to have both of these deer shot, to have uh, the whole song and dance of A.J.'s being scored at, at 253, then dropping down to 244 and some change, uh, and, and now Robert sits alone atop of the record book. So very interesting, fascinating stuff, uh, and y'all can see pictures of Robert's deer uh, right there on my website at lonestaroutdoorsshow.com. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, how about a quail forecast for this upcoming fall? We'll be joined by our Texas Parks and Wildlife Upland Game Bird Program Leader, Robert Perez. Did the spring rains do enough to bring back Mr. Bob White? We'll find out coming up only on Cabela's Lone Star Outdoors show.
5: Lord, 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 they
1: shot him down. Ten thousand miles from a southern town. cinnamon creek ranch is not your typical archery club it's a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges a full pro shop and six different 3d courses cinnamon creek was designed by hunters for hunters located on 80 acres in roanoke texas and offering over 200 3d targets to shoot at this one-of-a-kind event facility was designed with the bow hunter in mind call 817- 439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com that's cinnamoncreekranch.com did you know there's a bank that will pay you to be its customer that's right Lone Star Ag Credit is a cooperative and since it's owned by its stockholders pays millions in dividends each year that's free money to every borrower Lone Star Ag Credit serves people all over Northeast Texas assuring you competitive interest rates on real estate loans rural home loans livestock and farm and ranch loans Contact Lone Star Ag Credit today at 800-530-1252 or on the web at LoneStarAgCredit.com. Equal housing lender. Hey
2: y'all, Cable Smith here for Tioga Retrievers. As bird hunters, we expect the most out of our gun dogs. And that's why I sent my sweet girl Belle to Angie and Tim Becker at Tioga Retrievers. Not only were her manners and obedience spot on in the blind and in the field, but Belle picked up over 200 birds in her first season. So whether you want a well rounded hunting dog or just a well mannered companion for the home, Tioga Retrievers has you covered. Located in Aubrey, Texas, visit Tiogaretrievers.com. That's T I O G A Retrievers.com.
6: Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas specializes in exotics such as Axis Deer and Black Buck. Coons Canyon offers quality animals at a price the working man can afford. Right now, save 10% on any package of multiple animals. Military personnel, police, and firefighters also get 10% off. Lodging is available upon request, as are other exotic species. Visit CoonsCanyonRanch.com for your next exotic trophy hunt. That's CoonsCanyonRanch.com.
1: Howdy outdoors fans, Michael Kerrview, internet manager at Graff Chevrolet. We're proud to be the official dealership of the Lone Star Radio Show. We have a large selection of new Chevys starting at just $12,999. Lowest overhead means lowest price in North Texas. We'll beat any price on a new Chevy, guaranteed. Drive a little, save a lot, Chevys are cheaper in Grand Prairie. Call 800-560-3518 or shop online 24-7 at GraffChevrolet.com. Graff Chevrolet, serving Texas outdoors fans since 1952. Chevy runs deep.
4: Howdy, folks. I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulf Texas. We hope you love listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show because we do, and we're proud to be a title sponsor. Now, listen up, we here at Hoffbear Outdoor Superstore have got some great deals for you folks that love the great outdoors. Whether you're needing a brand new Polaris ATV or maybe a Polaris Ranger to ride around, and check your deer feeders, get to and from the deer blind, maybe to get you down to the dove patch, whatever your needs are, we can fix you up with a brand new Polaris today. Now, we're also a New Holland tractor and equipment dealer. Now, I'm just speculating, but maybe you need need a new tractor and shredder to shred around your deer blinds maybe clean up around deer camp or maybe even shred a few lanes in the old sunflower pack now we've got lots more than just Polaris and New Holland so come check us out today Hoff Fires Outdoor Superstore in Gulf Texas you can check us out on the web at hpolaris.com better yet just come see us highway 84 west in Gulf Texas and in central Texas for over 48 years now and folks we couldn't have stuck around this long we were steering you wrong
1: hey this is phil hamilton and you're listening to my good friend cable smith on the lone star outdoor show
2: the name of that jam right there from our good friend Phil Hamilton bringing us back on the Cabela's Lone Star Outdoor Show powered by Hoff Power Polaris. I'm Cable Smith, so glad to be here talking hunting and fishing and all that implies with you fine folks this morning. I appreciate you tuning in. Uh, this segment of the program is brought to you by Cabela's, the world's foremost outfitter where you can stop in to experience legendary selection and service. Let expert outfitters show you the latest in outdoor and hunting and fishing gear as well as footwear at tough-to-beat prices, and you'll get free shipping when you shop online and ship your order to one of Cabela's three great Texas locations, Cabela's world's foremost outfitter. Well, let's go ahead and bring on our next guest. He's a semi-regular on the show, and uh, we're going to be talking quail this morning with our Texas Parks and Wildlife upland game
3: bird program
2: leader robert perez thanks for dropping in man
3: no problem glad to be here
2: hey man it's always great to visit with you i guess our last chat was uh back in november of 2012 prior to uh, the pheasant opener so what have you been up to
3: oh we've been in uh roanoke virginia studying um the national quail strategy to recover the species um uh, a consortium of about 25 states
2: wow okay great well Maybe uh, tell us some of the uh, the highlights. I, I I am aware that a lot of other states are struggling with quail numbers, uh, just like we are here in Texas.
3: Right. The group's philosophy is basically if you build it, they will come. And they we're rolling out a new program that's really called Focus Areas, or the development of focus areas for bobwhites. And there are several states already participating. Texas has begun. We've begun some of this work where you basically go into an area of the state, maybe a part of a county, and uh, you basically do some habitat work, you're doing good things for quail and you're getting buy-in from different folks and you're getting different partners to do things. The difference, I guess, from the way we used to do things is that we are really are we're gonna do intensive work at a finer scale and include monitoring, counting birds and to, to demonstrate that habitat management can, um, can result in a response of birds and increase the populations.
2: And that's great. So, and and I guess, are y'all just kind of picking each other's brains or, I mean, when 25 states get together to manage uh, separate, you know, populations of quail, um, I mean, are y'all just trying to learn from each other or or kind of explain that dynamic?
3: It's very important that all the states... Do the science in the same way, so that we can pull the information, the data, and applies across a range of the species. If an individual state does it on its own, or uses a different methodology to count the birds, or say a different methodology to measure the habitat, well, then it's apples and oranges. So really, we want all the states to be doing the same type of monitoring, uh, so that this, this this information is comparable and it and it lends it makes it more meaningful on the broad sense.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, let's talk about Texas here, especially with the rains that we got this spring. Um, we got a little, you know, a little bit more moisture than we have over the last few years. And uh, we've talked, you know, in the past about how quail really are a boom or bust species. Um, I have heard reports from, from many of, of hunters and, and outdoor enthusiasts throughout um, areas of the state where uh, they say they've heard and seen more quail this summer uh, than they have in recent memory. Uh, some some of those places, even where quail, hadn't been seen really in a couple of years.
3: Correct. I've, I've heard similar reports. When when time gets tough, um, you know you don't see the birds. Those populations become far less visible. And in Texas, uh, especially in the more semi-arid parts of the state, those birds are retreating into heavier cover, into brushy areas, wooded areas, because there's not really any standing grass or very much vegetation that's going to hide them. So, of course, they're going to be less visible. They're still there on the landscape. Uh, of course, their populations decline, but they're pretty much waiting on the rain. <laughs> no pun intended. or pun intended. And when that happens, they both behaviorally and physiologically respond to those rain events almost immediately. Almost immediately after they occur.
5: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: well, I, I put on our Facebook page that we were going to be visiting with you this week, and uh, you know, ask for any um, quail hunters out there to pose their questions and I'd I'd present them to you and Daniel Robbins uh, he asked what percentage of these quail uh, that we have been seeing and hearing this year typically make it through the summer into hunting season and what percentage did you think would make it this year given the current conditions?
3: Right so each each year um, according to the textbook each year about 80% anywhere between 70 to 80% of all quail that are hatched out in any given summer are consumed before the following spring and so it's basically mathematics what's your base population so this year we've got a base population of x number of quail that's been reduced because of a couple of years of, of drought and so you've got a starting population a spring breeding population is what it's called and then that number only goes up so we're you know the number that's there some will be consumed the hen might get eaten on the net the male might be consumed but all in all the number you start with in the spring is It's going to be smaller than the number you end up with in October or November when the season starts. So we hope that this summer, with the spring rains, that that number actually is going to be larger. I mean, you're going to have producing birds, and you're going to see an increase in population, albeit you're starting with a low number. So even if it doubled, you're still starting from a small place. And that's why these birds typically can't fully recover in one year. It takes multiple years of good good weather events.
2: Well, you know, in the past we've talked about predation, uh, animals that that get into quail nests and uh, really have a tendency to uh, deplete the population. Uh, But another person had asked me to um, inquire about fire ants. And are fire ants really a big problem? I mean, obviously, I think we both know that predation and habitat loss are, you know, 1A and 1B. But uh, are fire ants a real problem for quail?
3: It is something that's been studied. It's been looked at uh, with not only quail, but with turkey, with Atwater's prairie chicken. Um, a number of different species have been looked at. And overall, uh, fire ants are, are an exotic species. They came from another country, and they've been here since in Texas since about 1955. And uh, because they were an exotic, they did very well at first and dominated uh, systems. And uh, what what's been shown is that where they occur in high density they can decrease the overall availability abundance of insects and many of these insects are what turkey and quail rely on to eat in the spring and summer the pullets and the chicks they're exclusively eating a lot of these small bugs that fire ants would also be eating and so there's some competition there and uh, as far as direct mortality on quail chicks the turkey chick turkey pullets there's been some of that shown but we don't really have enough information to, to, to show to what degree. I don't think there's been very strong evidence that shows that that's the major problem. If there are dense fire ants, it's more along the lines of an overall reduction in, in perhaps food that's available. Mm-hmm. The good news is that fire ants are very dense in areas that are basically not very quail friendly in highly disturbed culture, Bermuda fields, Bahia, you know, farmland, along waterways, along water courses, that ant evolved in a floodplain, so it really likes these kind of rain events and floods and things like that, and high high disturbance. And so when we've looked at density of fire ants, healthy rangelands are going to have lower density of fire ants, have less impact on quail than in highly disturbed and exotic landscapes uh, where they're going to be much denser. And so that's kind of a good thing. So another reason to promote good habitat is that it will lessen the density of fire ants on that landscape.
2: Okay, great insight there. Um, <clears throat> I guess a uh, couple more things here. Your predictions as far as areas of the state uh, where you believe there will be decent quail hunting this year. Is, it's really been hit or miss throughout uh, you know, much of the state over here you know, the last couple of years. But uh, I think things are, are going to be a little bit better this year.
3: I think so, and depending on where you're standing. Like you said, we've got spring rains in some areas of the state. South San Antonio, for instance, northern South Texas. Did better than southern South Texas. And so, uh, depending on where you are, how many rain events, how long of those lasted, uh, you're going to see more positive impacts. And of course, those areas of the state that depend on rainfall very directly are going to be South Texas. And of course, in the panhandle, the rolling plains, those are the areas that are more tied to rainfall. If you go east, it's not, so much, it's not as, as closely tied to rainfall. It's more of habitat issues where they decline in other areas. One of those areas is the Gulf Coast. The Gulf Coast quail actually do better in drier years because that area is prone to high rainfall and flooding and probably floods out nests and things like that. Mm-hmm. So probably the highest reports anecdotally that we've been receiving are in the Gulf Coastal prairies of Texas. That said, there's not a lot of prairie left anymore. About 1% of the prairie uh, remains. But those areas where there is prairie or pockets of prairie, we think that birds there are going to do quite well. Um, and uh, that, that, that would be, I guess, the highlight Uh, Secondarily to that, it would be parts of South Texas that received rain. Uh, We think that those birds are going to be building numbers, and there will be some birds available for harvest. And then thirdly, the rolling plains, kind of the last stronghold. Unfortunately, big swaths of the rolling plains are still in extreme drought. Mm -hmm. Um, They've not really received as much spring rainfall. And if you had to look at that region of the state, uh, as you go west and north, it's drier. As you go south and east, it's been wetter. So that's kind of the general rule of thumb up there as far as where birds may respond. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Um, last thing about quail here, uh, season dates, bag limits, any change on the horizon for those?
3: No no change in, in, in season dates or bag limits. And uh, by all indication, whether it be quail or pheasants or turkeys, uh, populations aren't driven by hunting these game birds. It's going to be driven more by habitat and weather. Right. Uh, minor changes in bag limits or uh, season lengths really don't have an impact uh, on these types of species on turkeys and
2: quail well all right robert great stuff as always my friend certainly uh very informative we appreciate your time thanks for all you guys do for uh, not just our quail but our pheasant turkey uh all of our upland game birds we'll touch base again soon my friend
3: sounds great thanks cable
2: So there he goes, our Texas Parks and Wildlife Upland Game Bird program leader, Robert Perez. Uh, Always a treat to visit with him. By the way, that segment was proudly brought to you by STI Guns. They are Texas made and Texas proud based out of Georgetown. They've got a full line of 1911 and 2011 style handguns. Check them out at stiguns.com and go Texan, go STI. Uh, well, thanks to STI, thanks to all of our other sponsors for making this show possible as uh, we are out of time. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of Cabela's Lone Star Outdoors show. We'll do it again, same time, same place next week. Until then, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors.
1: I wish that I was a chunk of coal Way down deep in the belly of my soul I'd sparkle and I'd shine I might be a diamond in my own sweet time And I wish I was a chunk of coal I wish I was a chunk of coal